This is a podcast from the Business Times. Couples fight about all kinds of things: dishes in the sink, nosy in-laws, and of course, money. Finances are one of the most common sources of tension in relationships, and when it comes to money, things can get emotional quickly. But it doesn't have to be this way. With practice, we can all learn to talk about finances with our partner in a healthier, more productive way. That's what we'll be exploring today. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by the Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money managing and wealth growing journey. I'm your host, Lee Kim Siang. Angela Tang is editorial director at the Simple Sum, a popular financial education website. She's here today with her husband Isaac Tan, who works in the F&B industry. Welcome, Angela and Isaac. Hi. Hello. There's a saying that opposites attract, and this can apply to financial philosophies as well. Often, disagreements come about when a spender meets a saver, or when people with different family backgrounds come together. What was it like for you guys? Hi, everyone. I'm Angela. I'm a highly prudent person in a lot of things, but I have a soft spot for luxury bags. Hi, I'm Isaac. So I would say I'm a person that time frames his purchases. So you know, sometimes I would take a week to decide to buy something. Especially if it's a bigger ticket item, do you guys discuss big ticket item purchases? We do. For instance, we actually bought our first car last year, even though the COE prices were really high. So that was a prolonged decision that we made because it's just so expensive. But after about nine months of discussion, we decided to get a secondhand car, and that really was a decision that took a while. The details to buying a car was also up for discussion. We had to decide who would fork out the down payment, how are we going to pay for down payment, as well as the monthly installments. So because I wanted the car more, so I offered to actually pay for a larger deposit. The funny thing was that after we got the car, he started to love it more. He started driving it more. Then we had a discussion, and now he's actually paying a bigger sum for the installment. Yeah, due to the usage, so we we kind of justify how much we need to spend, right? Based on not just our surplus income, but also on our usage, so that we stay away from any friction, right? Money can be quite a touchy subject to bring up, but it sounds like you guys are very open with each other, like how you discussed all the details of buying your car. How did you develop this level of comfort? How very good question. Were there like a lot of arguments initially? I think originally when we started dating, we already were sensing each other out. I was trying to figure out whether this person can be dependable and is a future husband quality, and through that, I already got an understanding on his spending habits. I think that really helped. Uh, I know when it comes to love, a lot of people usually just jump into it because the person is very attractive or have certain caliber that really fits your requirements. But being very practical about the approach really saves your marriage even before you get into it. Did you start assessing him on the first date already? Yes. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I also start assessing on the first date. Well, what was your criteria, if I may ask? I prefer someone who does not count the dollars and cents. Like I don't really need the person to wine and dine me in an MBS restaurant. There's no need for that. Cause actually our first date we we ate at a wonton mee restaurant. It was atas wonton mee by the way. Just to be yeah. clear. <laughs> so I ate atas wonton mee. 
and we are married. So the first date shouldn't be like all wine and dine and fancy. Instead, going into a relationship and starting to assess whether if the person is compatible for you is probably the most important reason why you are even meeting to have a meal. I think that's a very mature way of going about it. It's unavoidable that one person will probably make more money than the other. That could be a big source of strain in a relationship. How do you guys approach splitting the money and responsibilities? So clearly my husband earns more than me. So to me, I feel that I'm contributing in other ways beyond financial support. Talking to him more, sharing with him, like asking him how's his day. So things like emotional support, for instance. Yes, emotional support. And I also help to vacuum the floor. I also help to keep our clothes. Things that I don't like to do, by the way. For example, after he finishes his meal, sometimes he falls asleep. What I will do is actually help clean up the food and like throw it away. You know, even as my wife shared about doing more household chores, cleaning up after me. But I do feel guilty that she does it. And I feel I'm actually very blessed to be married to her. So I think back to the question is how do we approach splitting, right? I think it's just who has the capacity to do it better financially, emotionally, physically even. I mean, my job is physically tiring. I spend a lot of hours in the office. But then when I get home, you know, you just want to like sit down and unwind. So, you know, my, my wife's contribution in her way to me is worth more than money. So financially, if I can support more, of course, that's how I look at it. So I noticed you guys seem to be on the same page about a lot of these couple issues. So have you guys ever thought about anything money related? Okay, I do have a soft spot for luxury bags, right? So I wanted to buy a luxury bag for my mom. So I actually asked my husband to contribute to it because we are married. <laughs> so afterwards, he started asking me questions on what am I going to do if I'm going to buy another luxury bag for my mother like next year. I had to pause and reflect on this decision that I made. Just because we are married doesn't mean he should also contribute to a gift towards my parent. So from our second year of marriage, we decided that we will each contribute to our own parents' expenses. This is some arrangement that we have ongoing. And I think so far it has worked out. Yeah, I think uh, everybody has their own capacity for giving, right? So if I wanted to say buy a plane ticket for my dad to go Japan with me, right, bring my wife along, I shouldn't expect her to to say, hey, let's let's go Dutch, right? Let's go halfway. Respecting that, I think you approach it with a question like, hey, look, would you like to contribute? It opens up the person to say, oh, okay, that's nice. You know, how about I do a contribution of X dollars, right? I think it's a very different approach from like, hey, you know, I want to buy a plane ticket, um, hey, but can you pay half? The person will be taken aback, right? And he'll be like, why should I pay half? So I think it's the approach also. I think being respectful is very important. And I think this practice that we have has actually kept us from fighting over monetary issues. Fighting about small things day to day is part and parcel of any relationship. But sometimes it can obscure the real conflict beneath. What do you think they were really about? So when you get married, uh, you don't just marry the person. There's always the saying of you marry the family. Yes. That is actually, I think, usually one of the biggest hurdles couples have to face. So how do we manage it? We try to take some time from the discussion. I know some couples try to have their fights settled 
before they go to bed because they want to wake up tomorrow fresh. I believe that if you actually deprioritize the issue because you know that you cannot run away from your in-laws. They are part of the family and whatever you say will actually hurt your spouse. Yeah, I think it's okay to take time. Sometimes the, the issues are so deep inside you that you need the time to really like let go of the emotions and say, hey, look, this is the real problem. Let's solve that real problem. Yeah, I think respect is very important. Yeah, agree. Yeah, agree, agree. Still to come, we break down the nuts and bolts of financial planning for couples, budgeting, tracking, investing, and so on. Market Focus Daily, a roundup of market movements and the news that drove the trading day here and in the region. Every trading day at 6 p.m., directly from the Business Times newsroom. Listen at businesstimes.sg slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to Money Hacks from the Business Times. Welcome back to Money Hacks. Walk us through your budgeting process. How do you allocate savings for different goals? How do you split the contributions? Do you have individual accounts or a joint account? We practice this budgeting theory. It's called pay yourself first, where you set aside money for savings before you pay your bills and other purchases. So we have four types of funds. One is a household fund. The other is the kid fund, a holiday fund and a savings fund. For the household fund, we actually set aside a sum every month to spend on household needs, including groceries. For a kid fund, because we don't have a child yet, so we save money every month for the future child. We also have a holiday fund. I think that's more like a splurge fund. There are moments where you suddenly look like there's a Taiwan deal. Why don't we go for a three-day short break? So that's when we will tap on this holiday fund. And it doesn't interrupt our income or it doesn't interrupt our expenses for the month. So that next month, we are still all okay. There's no disruption. We also have a savings fund where we save for a future large ticket item. So for instance, we have a savings fund with the goal of owning a private property in future. So because there is a goal there, we are more driven to actually save money every month. So this is a very good tip to actually drive the motivation in wanting to save money. I've heard a lot of people that have a joint account between couples and then they actually draw down from that for their usage. I think what we do psychologically, I, I feel that's easier to swallow. And also it's a bit more powerful in a sense that you have control on your salary and you have that liberty to still spend when you want to without having to ask permission all the time. I think that's quite powerful and I think people need that in general. People need that freedom. It's one thing to have a plan and another to stick to it, especially as life throws you curveballs along the way. How do you ensure things are on track? What happens when things don't go according to plan? We had a household fund, right? We started this during COVID, just after we ROM. So I think last year, uh, we did a revision on that. We realized that inflation kicked in, everything cost more. And then we actually revised that figure to a higher limit. Um, and we both agreed on an amount. It might seem a small, trivial thing, but I think the concept is that you've got to be transparent. Sharing your problems openly and discussing them openly is what really helped us navigate our difficult times when it comes. What about investing? What's your approach? So I'm a treasury bills and Singapore savings bond person. My husband, Isaac, is an Blue Apple chips. shares person. 
So we have completely different risk appetite and that's why we invest separately. He believes in the high risk, high returns and I believe in low risk, safe returns. We do not have a shared portfolio. So when I do my investments, I'm actually a very fundamental kind of investor, right? I tend to look at the health of the business, the the budgets, the running costs, operating costs, and the revenues, right? Uh, I'm not like, oh, you know, everybody's buying Apple, let's go buy Apple. Everybody's buying Tesla, right? Let's go buy Tesla. But if you actually understand how all this works and you make an investment, the risk is lower. In that aspect, I'm very thankful that my wife respects my investment decisions. Yes, have I lost money? Yes, uh, but thankfully I made more than I've lost. Lah. I think idea of this is just about respect. The second most important thing is we don't uh, dive into, say, our funds for the household, right? We don't take money from things that we're supposed to save on. Um, I think that puts you in a very dangerous situation as a couple because then it, it opens up a whole can of worms or problems and friction, right? And that's what you want to avoid. Once in a while, we will also check in to ask each other about your investments. Like, how is the investment? I saw that Apple is not doing as well. Is it okay? So, in a way, we are each other's portfolio consultants. Listening to all your stories, it really jumps out to me that you guys really put in an effort to communicate and respect each other. What advice do you have for listeners to better communicate with their partners? I mean, to be honest and realistic about it, we didn't get to this stage naturally on the first day of our marriage, right? We went through a, a lot of hardships or so. And I, I uh, always like to jokingly share this. It's like, a, treat your partner as your boss. It's about being respectful. Your tone, your approach is different. You know, you don't go to your boss without preparing your financials, right? You, you, you look like a, a person who didn't do their job, right? So I, I give you an example. So, you know, you go to your wife and like, or your partner, like, hey, look, I was thinking, can we buy another car? I did the math. I, I think we can afford it. Here's how much more we need to give every month. I'm willing to put out that extra. Can we do it? I think if you ask it in a very respectful and friendly, your partner will tend to come back to you with a response that eager to support your decision as much as possible, but also eager to bring openly the concerns that he or she has. Right? I think that's very important. But of course, don't abuse the boss status. Lah. Don't be like, oh, I'm the boss of the house and stuff like that. When you treat your partner as your business partner, it's important to have like a key person be in charge of it. For instance, I am basically the account manager and looking at how much we are spending every month. So for instance, if I say like, let's go to Taiwan for a three-day trip, and then he says like, no, let's just go to Japan. Oh, but I'll be like, oh, that's like three extra price. Like, can you imagine how much we have to spend if we are there? Yeah, and then uh, when she's the boss of that, I have to go into my financial discovery process, right? So I'll justify to her, hey, look, Japan is just a couple hundred miles away. You know, it, it makes a lot of sense. So I think that that boss business partner approach has really helped us to sort of avoid a lot of conflict. La. So the conclusion is we went to Taiwan in the end. <laughs> yes, thankfully for our wallets. Angela and Isaac, thank you for joining us today and for being so candid. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Every couple handles their finances differently. Like Angela and Isaac, it takes time and work to figure out what works best for the both of you and to iron out any issues along the way. But at the end of the day, what matters most is that you're in this together. 
financial goals, values and habits may change, but as long as you and your partner are communicating with each other, you'll be able to ride the waves as they come. And here's the good news. It's never too late to start that conversation, even if you've been married for years. If you're listening to this right now, maybe it's time to take that first step. This has been Money Hacks from The Business Times. I'm Lee Kim Siang. Till next time. This is a podcast by The Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.